Amen. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful text. How y'all doing today? Blueprint family, guests and friends. For those who are guests, welcome. Any first time guests? So I know we came in any first time. None? Hey, how you doing? All right. It's a blessing to be here. I want to thank the elders for entrusting me with this opportunity. It truly is uh, amazing to be standing before you. And uh, it's even more crazy that I would get this particular spiritual discipline. Though I'm not foreign to it, it is a challenge. It's a challenge for us when we think about fasting in our culture and our day. And so, but we're going to dive into it and see what the Word of God has to say about it. Uh, first, let me just give you some basics. Let me give you a definition of what I believe fasting is. And uh, fasting is voluntarily going without food or any other regularly enjoyed good gift from God for the sake of some spiritual purpose, a spiritual purpose behind fasting. I think that's a good definition. I'm Pastor John Piper, I believe, one of his definitions. I also have another definition by one of our most practical theologians of the day, uh, fleeing and pursuing. And that's uh, Pastor Dahadi Lewis, one of the most practical theologians we have going today. He just cut to the chase. But I love it because when I was studying, thinking about this, I looked. Of course, you go on YouTube, you look on the Internet, you see what it has to say about fasting. And you don't say I didn't say Christian fasting or biblical fasting. I said just looked up fasting and you get a lot of videos, you get a lot of stuff, a lot of good stuff, a lot of helpful stuff, uh, stuff about healing, a lot of medical purposes for fasting, a lot of people losing weight and things like that, which are all good and noble things. But biblical fasting has to do with spiritual purposes. I know sometimes we feel like in our day and age and when I moved here, I realized that, man, I'm in a whole nother culture because I'm from St. Louis and I love a certain types of food. But Blueprint is, you know, you, you eat well. And I mean healthy, well, a lot of vegans, a lot of, you know, I don't eat this, I don't eat that. And that's beautiful. And I think maybe sometimes we would associate that, hey, I'm sacrificing. <laughs> I'm giving up some, you know, good stuff. But a lot of times I think we fast or maybe it's for health reasons, but sometimes we fast more to beautify the flesh than to crucify the flesh. Or maybe even to cutify the flesh rather than to crucify the flesh. I mean that. So we're going to look at fasting in three things. We're going to look at where is fasting in the Bible, when to fast and how to fast. First, let me start with the disclaimer like we do with all of our spiritual disciplines. This is not about making yourself right before God or buffering yourself so much that I'm looking so depressed and sorry that God will kind of love you more. This is not what this is about. Um, Martin Luther, not the king, Martin Luther, the reformer, he had a history before he understood the gospel where he said he fasted himself till he almost killed himself. And for years and years, he had a lot of situations going on with his body because of fasting. But I think one of the things that we have to think about as we think of Christianity in our day is that a lot of times I believe that people suffer from the fact that we view Christianity as something we have to work towards instead of the wonder of it. And I mean that. 
Because for me to be a Christian is a wonder. It's amazing to me. I mean, to see you guys is a wonder to me that we are gathering together as Christians. It's a wonder. It's a wonder that the God of the universe would select and choose and by his grace, even send somebody our way. You think about the fact that you're a Christian. Do you remember when you first believed? Do you remember the space and the place you were in? It's a wonder. I like the phrases sometimes the Bible uses. In 1 John, it talks about, by this you know that you were brought from darkness to light because you're doing stuff that no way I would do. There's no way I would consider back in my flesh day, back in my day, growing up in the drug and gang culture of St. Louis, what I consider fasting. What I consider things that I consider now. My desires have changed because of the grace of God. It's not a work that I did. It was by grace through faith. Not a work that I did, but it was a gift. And it's a wonderful thing. One of the things that I did after I became a Christian was I began to read That's a wonder. (laughs) GED, I mean, I think, praise God, I got that. But man, read a book. And then you know what's a greater wonder? When I was a Christian, I was so hungry, somebody handed me a book of a white dude with a wig. I know, Puritan book. And I'm like, whoa, I know we'll get in trouble now, brother. No Puritans, all they probably know. I mean, them books was amazing. I was like, wow, like, where is he going with this? Well, one of those books (laughs) that I read that was powerful was a book by a man named Andrew Bonar. Andrew Bonar was the friend of a guy named Robert Murray Machain. And what happened was these two brothers, we would probably not know much about Robert Murray Machain except for Andrew Bonar, who was his friend because he died, uh, Machain died at 27. But what he did leave us as believers, I believe what he left me, and he still speaks from the grave, is that his friend Andrew Bonar wrote his biography, The Life and Remains of Robert Murray McChain. Now, there's a thick version and there's an abridged version. Guess which one I read, but anyway. But the abridged version was powerful. It was powerful, and and it has plenty of quotes in it. and, And I'm telling you, you can look up on the Internet and just look at these quotes. A lot of quotes. You would, you would even be, it would even be a, a, a spiritual gift to you to just look at those quotes. I commend that to you. Or even read that book. But one of the things he left was his Bible reading plan. Why do I say this? Because at the beginning of the year, I knew that I was going to have to preach on fasting. But I didn't want to dive into it. I was anxious to, but I didn't want to dive into it. I knew I had to preach on fasting, and I knew that the church was fasting for 21 days. Now, mind you, I'm saying all this for a purpose. Every year, except for some very dark periods of my life, I attempt, sometimes successfully and sometimes would fail, to read the Bible through the year, reading the Robert Murray McChain Bible reading plan. It's four chapters. You'll get through the Old Testament in one year and you get to the New Testament twice. I'm saying all this because in that those days, those 21 days, it's kind of like when you get a new car. Now, I've never had a new car, but I get a car. It's new to me. But you get a new car and you see it everywhere. You know, you see it. Is it just me? You see it like that. How many of these are when you borrow a car for you who don't have a car? 
So this is what happened. When I was reading this Bible reading plan, it starts with Matthew, it starts with Genesis, Matthew, Ezra, then Acts, and it goes into Nehemiah. This is what happened on the days where I saw fasting. Now, I've been reading this all for a long time, but I saw it now because my mind was set on this. Day four, Matthew four and one, Jesus fasted and was tempted by the devil. You know that, right? So that was, a, that was the first time I saw it. I've seen that in the scriptures, but as I'm reading, I'm like, wow, okay. Jesus fasted and was tempted of the devil. I call this fast the first gospel fast. Why? Because Jesus' righteousness, according to the gospel, is attributed to us. So really, if you've never fasted, you get a 40-day fast accredited to you. Do you realize that? That's deep. Because everything that the Lord Jesus did, he did to please the Father. Everything we do sometimes, but not most of the time, does not. The gospel says he gives us his righteousness. That's why Romans 1.16 was so popular. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I liked 117 better. For in the gospel is a righteousness that is given both to the Jew and to the Greek. A foreign righteousness. So Jesus fasted. Day six, Matthew 16 and 18. Jesus speaks of fasting as of a no doubt Christian practice. He says, when you fast, he didn't say if, he didn't suggest it. He just assumed my people will fast. This is in accord, the same chapter, he says, when you give. Then he says in the same chapter, when you pray. Now we know there are challenges with giving and challenges with prayer, but we definitely as Christians don't say we're going to forget that. But when you fast on the same par. Saw that. No doubt a practice for Christians. Then on day nine, Matthew nine and 14, John come up to Jesus. No, John's disciples asked Jesus a question. Why do we and the Pharisees fast and your disciples do not? Jesus answers, I'm paraphrasing. They will when I'm gone. They will. Day 10, Ezra. 10 and 6, he fasted as he mourned the unfaithfulness of the exiles. He fasted. These exiles, he and Nehemiah had a mission to bring, to bring back and restore these exiles who had become unfaithful. And because of the unfaithfulness, because of the leader he is, he fasted. Day 11, Nehemiah 1 and 4, the people were in great trouble and disgrace, so he fasted and prayed. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. He had a great position with the king, but his people, he was concerned about his people who were in trouble and disgrace, so he fasted. Day 13, Acts 13, 2 and 3. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. Saul is Paul. The greatest missionary work was began because of fasting and the Holy Spirit sent them out. Day 19, Nehemiah 9 and 1. The Israelites assembled. They were fasting 
They stood, confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. For a fourth of the day, they read the scriptures, and another fourth of the day, they confessed and worshiped. This is fasting in the scripture. I haven't even scratched the surface. This is when I was on that 21-day fast, just reading the Bible plan, and I'm like, wow, it's all over the place. The pattern continues throughout scripture. Moses fast 40 days, Elijah 40, Jesus 40. Interestingly, fasting is mentioned 77 times in the Bible. Baptism is mentioned 75. Christians sure enough going to be baptized. I was thinking in my mind, well, that's because it's only once. <laughs> but it's just me. So it's all over the scripture. There is no doubt that fasting is biblical that fasting is there and that our Lord expects us to fast. The question now is, when do we fast? Here's some practical stuff for you. When we fast, number one, when starting something new. I believe whenever we start something new is a good time to fast. I even believe beginning our Christian walk. See, fasting is not for the mature or the super Christian. I believe immediately as we come to faith in Christ, we need to push away and pursue. Think about our sister Jasmine in our city group, new believer to Christ. I don't want to put you on front, but it's beautiful to see a hunger and thirst for God. Fasting is for you. Also, you can fast when you're just starting a new job. How many know that jobs are mission fields? Jobs are mission fields that can turn around to be your greatest detriment, can be your greatest struggle. But when you're starting a new job, fast, prepare your heart, prepare your mind. Here's one when you start a marriage, not after your marriage before, because when you get married, you want to enjoy. But fast before. Prepare yourself for marriage. It's a serious thing. The enemy is attacking Marriages. I get this from Matthew 4. Do you know not Matthew 4, Jesus started his public ministry by fasting. It says afterward he began to choose his disciples. He began to preach the kingdom of God. Also, like I said, in Acts 13, 2 and 3, it was the beginning of a great missionary assignment. So when you've been given a new God-given assignment, see, I believe that we don't realize that we can do nothing in our own strength. There's a desperate need for us to accomplish anything we're going to accomplish of any heavenly significance through the spirit of God. But I think I believe and I, I say me, sometimes we get too confident in our gifts. There's a culture that I grew up in where and I know I didn't go into detail into Matthew 6 and 6, 16 and 18, but he told the reasons why you shouldn't fast. He not only said you fast when you fast, but he says don't fast to be seen by men, to be seen by men. And a lot of us wouldn't think that'd be something that would put us, you know, in, in, a, in a spotlight. But I believe that a lot of things would happen is that our Christianity became so seen by menish through gifts. People were more concerned about looking good than being good by exalting themselves with gifts as opposed to buffeting their body for the relationship of the Lord Jesus. Look, when to fast, number two, 
No, I want to read this. Isaiah 58, we read that. Number two, when we fast, this is all going to be in Isaiah 58. When we fast, when we're trying, number two, when we're trying to rid ourselves or aid another in the fight for freedom of a sin or weight. When we're trying to rid ourselves or aid another in the fight for freedom of a sin or weight. Listen to this in Isaiah 58 and 6. He says, isn't this the fast I chose to break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke and set the oppressed free and to tear off every yoke? See, that I know this is foreign talk, but all flesh is grass. And there's a scripture in 2 Peter that says the enemy wants to render us useless and unfruitful. The, day and, the wind now in this day and age is we got people in church because we went through a pandemic where nobody was there and a lot of people didn't come back. So the wind is at least we got them in the seats. But I believe that God wants more from us than that. Yes, we need to heal. We need to be restored. We need to be. But we need to become the church that he called us to be. And the enemy seeks to render us useless and unfruitful. Be good. Be shined up. Dress well. Come in. But don't be on mission for real. Don't serve for real. That's called a yoke. There's something always preventing us and hindering us from being all that we are called to be in Christ. So that's number two. Number three, when your light, when the fast, when your light is dim and desire is low for the things of God, the Bible calls us to shine. Yes, we're in survival a lot of times. Christianity is about surviving. But the Bible calls us to shine as lights so that people can see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Isaiah 58 and 7 says this, is it not to share your, no, no, isn't, isn't this the fast I chose? Then your light, I'm sorry, 58 and 7, then your light will appear like the dawn and your recovery will come quickly. Your righteousness will go before you and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. You seek when your light is dim, desire for the things of God is low. And you know one of the deceptive things about that? Sometimes we're blind to it. That's where community comes in. See, we affirm one another. We admire. We do all the things that we do. We love one another. But sometimes we have to pull one another's coattail and say, are you okay? What can I? Where are you? What do you need from me? Because I see maybe your light's a little dim. Your countenance, no joy in worship. It's all right to talk to each other about these things. Why? Because the Bible calls us to spur one another on. Not condemning one another, but spurring one another on. Number four, when the fast, when you seek to ignite or revive a servant's heart. A servant's heart. It says it here, right here, Isaiah 58 and 8. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the poor and homeless into your house, to clothe the naked when you see them, and not to ignore your own flesh and blood? Christianity, we talked about the spiritual discipline of service. When we don't feel, sometimes we start off willing to serve. 
and because of the people, like Moses, because of people, because I hear so many people complain about Christians. Pastors complain about Christians. Christians are sinners saved by grace. Christians don't determine the level by which we love or serve. One another's, we don't determine that God does. There's never excuse, excuse to draw back. Number five, when you need to hear from the Lord, particularly when there's discord and strife in the community. Listen to this. At that time, Sorry, I'm, not, I'm terrible with technology. Tara, thank you for your computer. <laughs> he says, when you cry out, at that time when you call, the Lord will answer. When you cry out, he will say, here I am. If you get rid of the yoke among you, the finger pointing and malicious speaking. And I like the last one. It's not probably on here, but there's a six when you fast. And I believe this is important. When you sense the call of God to restore and rebuild. I love this in verse 12. He says, some of you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will restore the foundations laid long ago. You will be called the repairer of broken walls, the restorer of streets where people live. Some people are called to lead. I believe our pastors call, I believe our pastors the hottie. I believe Pastor Lucius, I believe these men are called to restore something. That the brokenness we see in our streets, we just don't say, hey, we hear gunshots and sometimes we even joke and laugh about the gunshots and I hear a gunshot every night. We, we, we fast because we want to restore this brokenness. We want to restore these streets where I won't have, we won't have to fear, where Tara won't have to fear sending her kids to the park. Restore the streets to dwell in. And there's some of us who are serious about that call, like Tara, whose house is a lighthouse on the block. I mean, I walk the streets and people be like, hey, you, you Tara. I'll be like, oh, you know me? Let's do Tara. But she's a restorer. Some of us have a unique call for this. So, Almost done. How to fast. How to fast. Practically. Look, in order to fast, we have to be intentional and strategic. Very intentional and very strategic. For me, the time of fasting is feasting. You have to have your table spread. You have to have your table spread. And when your table spread to feast, Three things I want you to keep in mind. The time I'm going to fast, the tools I'm going to use to fast, and the target of my fast. Number one, the time. The portion of the day. It could be for a portion of the day. Don't start with the 40 day, 21 day. Just a portion of the day. But you know what's more important when you get down to the tools? Because I hear a lot of people say, I fast and it's so hard, but you're fasting but not feasting. So you have to strategically set up a day where you're not doing a lot of running around where you can just sit and feast. And we'll talk about that when we talk about the tools. It could be one day. It could be three days. You may get to the point where you do it once a week. Or you may get to the place where you do it once a month. Have to be strategic and plan around events. 
Do not fast on Thanksgiving. I'm going to sacrifice for the now eat that ooh, dressing, my Lord. I don't want to sacrifice. Come on. Don't, don't be foolish. I'm sacrificing. I'm trying to look holy. So pick a specific time. Number two, the tools you need. Basic tools, the word of God. The word of God. Sometimes we're so crowded with things, we got to push them away to order to receive the awe of the word. More people losing confidence in the word because we're so full of the world. And the world is not affirming Jesus, nor the word. So we push it aside and we get in the word, particularly the Psalms, which help us to worship. Proverbs, wisdom, gospels where you see Jesus. Be in awe of him when you see him. Read one chapter a day and just pick out just something you see him do. Oh, Jesus, you be in awe of that. Pray that you will receive that kind of compassion, that kind of love. Because the scripture says we're to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. There's a book called Face to Face, Praying the Scriptures for Intimate Worship by Kenneth Boa. Remember that. Gave it to Tara. Tara gives it out to the women in the cohort. Powerful book on prayer. It has been a, a tool that I've used. Other Christian books that do heart work. The old John Owen, Killing Sin. Because he said it like this. If you don't be killing sin, sin will be killing you. Even this, I love this. See, I have a fasting playlist. Worship during a fast. Very important. Have you a fasting playlist? Getting up in the morning, listening to some worship. You're feasting. And when that hunger comes, that hunger is not for you to say, hey, I need to. That hunger is going to remind you, I need to pray. I need to hear from God. I need to worship. And part of being strategic is finally having a target area of weakness. You have a time, you have tools, and now you have a target. What area am I weak in? The Bible tells us, you know, to examine ourselves, to see whether we're in the faith. You have a community around you. We ask. Area of weakness, that's a target. Oh, I got a lost loved one that I'm seeking to come to the faith. Target as I'm fasting, I'm praying, bringing her name before the Lord. He says he'll hear you. Broken relationships that need reconciling. Yes, we pray, but we also fast. Broken relationships. Freedom from unhealthy relationships. We fast. And you can go on and on. Just think through target areas I need to fast. As I close, I'm the only sweaty preacher we got in. As I close, though, look, when I first came to faith, I came to faith through kind of like the word of faith Pentecostal. And man, one thing about it (laughs) is that boy, immediately they thought about fasting. I mean, we had my pastor, Pastor Baker, and he might hear this, but he was a big man. And then he, every year he'd do his month fast and he'd come back a skinny man, but he'd get back big, but he, <laughs> he did it. And he taught us to fast. And as the years went on, I began to grow in a little bit of knowledge where my fasting was replaced with a systematic theology book. 
Fasting was replaced with all of these words. You know, the flesh is so subtle. It, it not only don't want you to crucify, it can even give you words. <laughs> give you words to say. Give you nice books to read. Make you say things that sound eloquent. While outside you're looking good and saying things good, but your flesh is destroying you. So we have a Christianity of either or. Either I'm ecstatic, I'm going to pursue God through the... Or either I'm just a theologian and I'm top heavy. Either it's the head or the heart. Well, part of the heart of this church is to be both head and heart. Both and. Because why? Every means that God gives us is for a purpose. And it's necessary. If it wasn't necessary, God would not have given it to us. Again, it's not a message of guilt. Just want to give some tools so we possibly could begin this journey of adding, or some of us may be already doing, but I, I like to believe that we can start small. We can start with a biblical fasting. Let's pray. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information about Blueprint Church, visit us online at blueprintchurch.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Blueprint Church. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.